Hey, everybody. Welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. On this Wednesday, I am Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Uh, we've got big news that obviously dropped this week. And first things first, that Willie Gay has been suspended for four games due to that altercation he had back in January. So he will be out, guys, for the Colts game, Bucks, Raiders, and obviously the biggest one, the Bills game. Let's dive in. What are our thoughts on all of this? I mean, I guess, first off, let's kill all conspiracy theories that are. The NFL <laughs> waited to suspend him just so he'd miss the Bills game. The NFL, yeah, but the NFL's not in the business of taking away talent from the two best teams in the AFC and what will be one of their most profitable games of the entire NFL season. But I'd be lying if I said, oh, I, I kind of forgotten. Like, I remember he got in trouble. I remember the circumstances related to the event. I remember his case being settled, but because it was two months later and NFL had started and the games had started, I had forgotten that a suspension was on the table. Maybe because the Chiefs weren't even talking about it. Nobody who reports on the Chiefs was talking about it. It didn't seem like it was a factor in any conversations of ours. So yeah, I was a little surprised to find out it was four games, but then when you remember how the NFL handles any, any event in which domestic violence is being considered, four games is probably what we should have expected. Like, I know that it's surprising in the moment, and it is surprising that sometimes they do it, and they do things on a whim and without notice. But I think that when you think about how the NFL's handled those cases in the past, even though it was a misdemeanor for a broken vacuum, the fact that the police were investigating it as something related to that, I think that's why he got the four games. Yeah, I don't think there's a conspiracy. I think it's something far worse. And it's that the NFL is quite incompetent with handing out punishments. <laughs> they're very bad at it. It's worse than a conspiracy. It's that they don't know what they're doing. That's what's frustrating to me. The timing is one thing. It's not great. I guess you could make the case that you would have rather him been suspended at the beginning of the year. That way he'd be back for the Bills game. But then he the flip the side is you game. got him for the Chargers game. So maybe that's a wash. What's annoying to me or frustrating to me is that Everything you just talked about, Cody, right? Trying to read between the lines and piece this together as to why the suspension was four games or why it was handed out now. That the, the fact that we're even in a situation where you have to do that is annoying because the NFL could have handed out the four-game suspension and said, XYZ, here is why. Here's all the factors we took into this decision. This is why we landed at four games. And we wouldn't have to sit here and speculate as to why it's four. And we wouldn't have to be annoyed that there is never any rhyme or reason to some of the suspensions, And it's tough to understand exactly how they reach these conclusions. The lack of transparency in the NFL's decision-making process and their penal system is frustrating. I guess it's nothing new, right? I'm sure there's, there's half a dozen fan bases around the NFL. They're like, yeah, join the club. So I guess we should get it by now, but that doesn't make it any less annoying. I guess what's funny about it is like, not only is it inconsistent in the way that they punish, it's inconsistent in the explanation. They put out 10 pages on Deshaun. <laughs> Hell, they just suspended Mike Evans for a game. They're like, here's all the reasons why. Like, we don't need the reasons why. He shoved that guy down. We saw. They fight all the time. We know why they suspended Mike Evans. It's not a mystery to us. What we're trying to figure out is, is there a line between felony, misdemeanor? Is there a line between misdemeanor and civil case? Is there a difference between... You know, and I get it. They don't want to be in the business, Caleb, like quantifying what's a worse offense when it relates to like 
domestic violence issues or violence against women issues. They don't want to be like, well, if you hit them, it's eight games. But if you don't, they, they can't, they don't want to be in that business. And I kind of get it, but it just, just offer explanations. Say they were, he was investigated for a domestic violence incident. Something was broken there. The, you know, the mother of his child said that she pushed him into the couch. I know he denies it, but she said it and he was investigated for that. Then this is what it is. Because like, if they did that, I don't think anybody would, you know, like there would be at least you understand the reasoning. You can disagree with it or whatever you want to do, but you understand the reasoning. But instead it just like, and I don't know, it shouldn't take two months. It is very clearly put in the NFL handbook about how they handle domestic violence related issues. It is baseline. It is standard. It is, it, I mean, for all the trouble that they, they have information in there that sets this punishment up. So why take two months? Just, just, just do it. I fully agree. And correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this what Deshaun Watson originally got? He got six. Six. So okay. it's close enough that that's A why you're pointing broken vacuum, out. questionable massages between a lot of women. Um, yeah. Punishment versus is crime is very confusing when it comes to the NFL. And I don't want to downplay any kind of domestic no. dispute ever. Um, because that is a very scary situation, but, but that's I would just say me, on like, the grand scheme of things, this is on the lighter side. So yeah, but that's Definitely just, that's track. just it. Like you're so right. But everything you just said there is like, it puts people, I'm not trying to paint ourselves as the victim, but like anybody chiefs fans or people who have to talk about the chiefs, it's just a situation that we shouldn't have to be in to sit here and try and figure out why the NFL did what they did. They are a multi-billion dollar corporation that does this on a weekly basis. They hand out fines. They hand out suspensions every single day. And for some reason, something that they've been investigating for nine months, they give zero explanation as to why they ruled the way they did. That's what's a little frustrating for a business as big as they are. Why, why aren't they held accountable? Like, I feel like we should have more explanation and response to this. I don't know why they're too powerful. Just... You can't you know, just like, is hey, this CBA thing? well, so I'm a little surprised he didn't, I'll say this. I'm a little surprised he didn't uh, appeal it. It wouldn't have worked. It never does in the NFL, but the NFL PA, they argue for like appeal and they're like, we're under contract. We, we argue, you know, we gave you the right to appeal. So you should, you should appeal. And he's like, Nope. I'm not going to do it. I don't know who advised him or what, or he wants to just move on. Or the the part of this that probably we haven't even discussed yet, I think there's a chance he didn't appeal because he doesn't want to get in more hot water with the Chiefs. He's missed games. There's already a question about whether he would be a second contract linebacker anyway. He doesn't want to cause problems. He wants to get through these four games, play good football the rest of the way, make a contribution and get the hell out of the way. He doesn't want to be the story because that's not good for Willie Gay. They already have one linebacker who looks like they're going to give a second contract to Nick Bolton. He doesn't want to be a reason why they don't. And then and then we get stuck in the, like, now I guess I have to live in fear that Frank Clark could get suspended. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Our guy, Nate Taylor, he joined us on our show from The Athletic. He's plugged in. He says the Chiefs don't think it will. But, I mean, he settled his on September 8th. Uh, two months would be a, a, a November 8th. Do you guys want to just, like, put it in the calendar and see what happens? Oh, crap. That's not a good time for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would would um, disputing it? prolong the suspension would that push that off depends depends on how the appeal works like tonight mike evans is appealing his suspension he's gonna lose but they're hearing him tonight 
they'll have a decision by Thursday. Oh, okay. The appeals are short. Do you know who hears the appeals in personal conduct cases? Roger Goodell, the same person who suspended him in the first place. So it doesn't, I don't know. It's a, it's a loop of a system, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Roger Goodell isn't technically the person who gave the suspension. He's the person who hears it. It's just like, you're not, you're not going to win. You can appeal. The PA likes you to do it, but you can't really win. As far as on the field goes, anybody want to talk about what that means? I was just going to say, what is this going to do to us? Um, feel good about those, those first three games. Don't feel great about the fourth one is how I kind of see it. I think we're good up until that Bills game. I I think see, Willie Gay concerns me more in terms of being a coverage linebacker. Like when you look at how he and, and Nick Bolton have their individual roles, Nick Bolton is your run stopper, getting downhill, making plays at the line of scrimmage, whereas Willie Gay is the guy who if you need somebody to close out on, you know, running back in a screen play or a wide receiver in the flats, like that's the guy who needs to get out there and make the tackle because he's not the sure tackler that Nick Bolton is, but he is a better athlete. Like he's faster. He has better lateral quickness. So like I look at the Colts game and you're going up against the best running back in the NFL. Those sorts of games actually like those sorts of games actually concern me a little bit more than the teams like the Bills or the Bucks, who you know are going to try and air the ball out. I at least feel a little bit better knowing that some of his quickness and some of the Chiefs' quickness on defense was related to the fact that all these quarterbacks could move on them and they were terrible against running quarterbacks and really good athletes burned them and all that. But the next three weeks are against some of the least impressive athletic teams maybe in the league. Like the Colts move in molasses. The Bucks are slow and old. Like at least the Raiders, they've got some offensive weapons where you're like, well, some of those guys can move pretty good and are young and fast and athletic like Devontae Adams. But there's so many other guys that it's just not impressive and, and not a single impressive running back. It's not like Fournette's the, he's not going to get you for eight catches and 70 yards out of the running back spot. Taylor's a problem, but he's a problem because he will just run it down your throat. But again, like you said, the defensive line, Nick Bolton, and playing Brian Cookmore or any of these things can make a bit of a difference as far as getting extra guys there. So, I, yeah, worried because they're a worse team. The thing I hate about it, Kayla, is that they're missing two starters now in the first two weeks of the season. Start with 11 guys on defense. You're now down a starting corner and a starting linebacker. Most teams, when those things start happening, it becomes a problem. You lose one more guy to injury in the middle of the game. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing with eight guys. Uh, you know, you're playing with 11 guys, only eight of which you had planned on starting. That's when defenses can start to fall apart. Yeah, I didn't think about the injury thing. Wasn't counting on that. That's concerning no. as well. <laughs> Those are two young players, though, that you want to get reps to. Like, I know Willie yeah. Gay is not in the same boat as Trip McDuffie, but he's a first-time, full-time starter, right? This is, what, year three, right? Yeah. Year three in the league for Willie Gay. For the first two years, even though we all wanted to see more of him, he had to sit behind <laughs> Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman, and then even last year to an extent, Nick Bolton. So this is his first year as a full-time starter. Cody, you talked about this being a contract year. It's like he needs as many reps as he can possibly get, not just for the contract stuff, but to find out if he's good. Like, are you, are you a legitimate full-time starter in the NFL, or is there a reason why you were sitting behind those guys last year? So... For him specifically, like he is one of the guys on this defense that just really can't afford to be missing a ton of time this season. 
Quick fun fact before we move over to something else. Would, does anyone know how many combined defensive snaps Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman have this year? I do. I looked this because up. you're asking. <laughs> because you're asking, I feel like I know the answer. Okay. Hey, do, you do you want? Do you want to guess? First, I don't even do know ballpark. What to guess? These are the guys who started for the Chiefs okay, for Cody, a majority of the Taylor. year. Kayla, you have to. You're going to learn this back because of the tone in which he's asking, and the fact that he's bringing it up <laughs> with a little smirk low. on his face. No, that means the answer is zero. It's actually seven if okay. you roll it. But might you as know. well be zero. Yeah, it's not <laughs> good. It might as well be zero. Cody didn't bring that up because he thought it was a good conversation starter. He brought it up because he thought it was funny, and I could tell that immediately by the. Well, it's Katie like grin on it's like face. you're like you're like oh no, Darius Harris is going to start. I'm worried about that too. It's worse than in Willie Gay, but at least they're not starting those guys anymore. <laughs> they can't move at all. Everyone else in the NFL got to look at Dan Sorensen, Ben Neiman, and Anthony Hitchens, and like, no, we're good. Um, I'm glad they they were on your defense last year. I, I bet that was neat and fun, but we're, we're fine. We're we're good. We we don't need that anymore. So the Chiefs have upgraded everywhere on defense. I'm worried about Willie Gay being gone but I'm not going to overly panic because I just think they have better defensive talent than they did a year ago. Who's Anthony Hitchens playing for? No one. Oh, okay. He's on a roster. So, <laughs> okay. They really looked at him and said, no, thanks. The other two guys found a team. They just, they just aren't playing. <laughs> I'm going to start coming with fun facts in my back pocket. Those are, it's nice. It's nice to have fun facts. for. Well, I don't want to be the only one without fun facts. So now I have to start <laughs> doing it too. Well, okay, let's just take turns. Everyone have, uh, I'll take Wednesdays as my day <laughs> for fun facts. Uh, Kayla, you can have Fridays, and then Nick, you can have fun facts on Mondays. All right, thank you. Perfect. Something we should also mention really quickly is our guy, George Karloftis, now second in rookie of the year odds. What do we think about this? I mean, it Christ. feels a bit premature. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's number one by, by a pretty favorable round. He's plus 250, so he's the he's not the minus money favorite, but he's the definitive favorite. And depending on which book you go at, like, you know, I looked at BetMGM. Karloftis is second, but he's tied with Trayvon Walker, who had an incredibly athletic pick in week one, if you missed that. Uh, I think it's everyone banking on the fact that they think he's going to get sacks. Because to this point, he hasn't earned being the second favorite, other than the fact he just looks good. That's the thing I can't take away from Karloftis. He looks like an NFL defensive end. He looks good. He looks like he belongs. I think he's going to get sacks because he looks like he belongs. He just hasn't looked out of place for one second in his NFL career. I think that's why he's second, Nick. People are voting on him because they're like, nope, that guy looks like he's going to be really good, so I'm just going to place a bet and take a chance. So I'm going to I want to um I want to wax poetic on George Karloftis here for a second because <laughs> well, not just George Karloftis, but the selection of George Karloftis by this front office. Um I don't, I don't know what number he went in terms of pass rushers, but I know a bunch of them went at the top of the draft because it's a premium position and they're tough to get and you don't want to miss on him. I think it was five or six defensive linemen alone got taken in front yeah, of I mean, well, him. Just going through it on the top of my head. Um, Walker, Jermaine Johnson, Hutchison, Walker. Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson. I'm pretty sure there was another obvious one that I'm missing, but usually you don't get super productive pass rushers late in the draft or even late in the first round. Like there's a reason why those guys went first and second and fifth or wherever they ended up going. It's because it's a premium position and they're tough to get to think that like, as Cody said, he doesn't look like a star right now. He doesn't have any sacks. So I'm not trying to anoint this guy already, but 
what you would hope to get from a player at that position at the point in which you drafted him is early on doesn't look out of place early on. Doesn't look like the game's moving too fast for him. Doesn't look like physically he's not able to compete against NFL caliber offensive linemen. You can't say any of that about Carl Loftus. He hasn't gotten the production yet, but he looks the part and that's all you really wanted to see from him two weeks into his NFL career. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know how good he is. All I know is he's not a bust. He's not somebody like Breland speaks, or we're going to look at a year from now and say, is this guy even worth a roster spot? How many years before this guy actually plays a meaningful role or will that ever happen? This guy is one of your top two defensive ends from day one. That is a huge boon for someone you took with the last pick of the first round this year. They watched a single game of George Karloftis and like, that's our starter. (laughs) <laughs> they went, they went like, they started Dana week one. He's the experienced guy. He's a decent pass rusher. He gets to the quarterback a little bit. He's got five sacks over two seasons. Um, he's passable in crunch time. And they, they got one look, one game look at that. And they were like, yeah, Carl Loftus is better. You know, it's, I would almost equate it to a little bit of like the Melvin Ingram thing. Cause if you look at George Carl Loftus stash, you'd be like, well, he has two whole tackles and no sacks. That's not a, but it's, if you watch it, that's, it's the antithesis of what's been happening. He's in the backfield. He's there. All He's the always time. there. Yeah. And, and as a result of other guys being good, like if Karloftis is good, guess how that makes Chris Jones life a lot easier. Chris Jones, one of the sacks he got, he was single teamed. You know, he was just one guy trying to block him up the middle. That didn't happen very often for Chris Jones last year. And when that happens for Chris Jones, guess what he does? Make someone look really stupid and destroy the interior part of their line and go get a sack for their team. It makes it easier for guys like Chris Jones to get sacks or Turk Wharton or Michael Dana or anybody else on this team to do it if Karloftis is actually good. So I'm a little, the odds are probably a little out of whack right now and you probably wish you would have bet it sooner. But based on look alone, I do not think that it's all that insane because he already looks like he's destined to be one of their best defensive players over the next few years. And this is a pretty young defense. So you're looking for a couple of standout guys and that's one of them. We saw the fire in his eyes in that swat against the Chargers game. He's he's going to be good. Quick other thing really fast. Do you know what I also love about him? Purdue guy. Do you know who else was a Purdue guy? Uh, Lenny Dawson? That's correct. Is that what you're going with? Look, no, now we got trivia and piece. fun packs. I know. We're just full Other of surprises up. today. 